0: Praise the Lord, everyone. Amen. He alone is worthy. Hallelujah. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. It's always such an honor. It just makes a difference when believers come together in unity and our focus is on him. And so it's good to be with you. Amen. And it's good to be able to get together one more time. If you will, please stand with me. We're going to go before the Lord in prayer. And we're going to just talk to the Lord for a moment and ask Him to speak to our hearts. And um, we will worship Him and adore Him and love Him. Hallelujah. The Lord is great and greatly to be praised. We serve the true and living God in His name is Jesus. Mm. Oh, how I love that name. Hallelujah. Well, we are in the building where we come together to worship the Lord. Amen. We announced to you that we're returning back to the place of our home where we come together and worship the Lord and where the word of God is preached. And so we have given you instruction as to how we will return back to this facility. And I hope you have had a chance to listen or even read the instructions of how we will come back together, how we're doing it. And so tonight is our final test run before we go live Sunday. And so we are doing our best to just be safe and um, get used to the new norm. And so we're grateful to God that we can come together. There was a time there where I know we missed one another and we knew we were separated from one another. Even though we were still together, wherever we gathered together, whether that was our living room, kitchen, bedroom, cars, amen. For me, it was my basement. So we just gathered wherever we could, but we were together because we were able to uh, tune in by the social media platform that we used. And so this Sunday will be a great time. We will be able to come together. In this house, uh, we believe we've done all that we can to make it safe for you. And uh, we look forward to seeing you Sunday. Remember, 9 a.m. service, letters, uh, last name beginning with the letter A through L, 9 a.m. service. And those of you with uh, last name beginning with the letter M through Z, come at 10.30 that's our way of accommodating everyone and being safe as we as safe as possible i guess is the best way to say it so keep that in mind amen and uh let's let the lord have his way if you'll pray with me tonight that would be wonderful that we will pray together uh the thing that i want you to focus most on tonight is to open your heart here is something that is very important when you listen to the Word of God and when you read the Word of God. If you already make up in your mind or you, you've already trained your mind to just perceive what you will, you're going to miss a lot of things that God has for you. Uh, Brother Read I'd always say when you read the Word of God, be careful you don't overlook the obvious. And most of the times when we turn the pages or we click on the scriptures that we're going to read, we have a perception in our mind what it's supposed to say. And if we keep that perception in our mind right before we read the Word of God, what it's supposed to say, we're going to overlook the obvious. Some things that God wants to say to us, we're going to miss it because we had a perception of what the scripture should be saying that we decide to read that morning, that afternoon, that night, whenever. Well, it's the same thing with the preaching. You might hear the title. You may be be familiar with the text that we're taking uh, the message from. And right away, there's a perception that enters into your thought. And the Lord could be saying something to you, and it's not getting through to you because of your perception of what you've already uh, have in your mind and your heart about that text about the the, the title of the message or whatever the case may be. So I want you to pray tonight that God, let there be no perception or anything that will already be in my mind about this message tonight, about what you want to do tonight, but help me to have a blank canvas. Help me to have a blank canvas that as the Word of God begins to come forth, as the Spirit of the Lord begins to minister to me, it will do what it wants to do in my life. That is the Word of God. And I don't do what I want it to do. Amen? So let's pray about that. Um, we have a couple of prayer requests that I don't want to miss. Sister um, Tanya Jennings, she is a part of this church. And she has a sister that is really sick. Um, doctors' diagnosis is not good. Um, that she will not be with us much longer but I always pray and what I always say is God can you give them one more chance because we need you to work in their life now always remember this I don't know if, if she had many of opportunities to experience some things with God and she did or she didn't but it's our responsibility of the saints as the saints of God to ask God for another opportunity for her which means we need our healing. We need a touch from God so God can do whatsoever we're asking him to do one more time. So we're asking it one more time, but God's will is going to be done. So always remember that when you pray, that you can ask God what you want. And God can respond and grant you what you're asking, but God also decides if he's going to do what he wants or what you're asking. Always remember that. God determines if he will do what you're asking or what he already has determined. And because he's almighty God. Whatever he decides. It's right. And that's what's going to happen. So let's pray for Latanya. Or, uh, it's Latanya Burgess I believe. Let's pray for her. She's sick. And we want God to touch her. And we want God to heal her. For God to reveal himself to her. And that God can save her. So that's what I want you to pray for her. And um, the name that we've been mentioned and pray for them. Uh Charlie Hammond, uh diabetes, we want him to be healed and we want him to be delivered from depression and we want God to save him. Uh Winston Hilton, we want him to be delivered from any strongholds in his life. We want him to be free from any situation and we want him to be saved. Remember those two names for me. Um Joseph Correa. um he's always tuned in, always a part of our Sunday school you know, pray for him and his family that God will just bless them and and God will show them great favor. I want you to keep them in mind as well. And for all of us that are here tonight and those of us that are tuned in, let's pray and ask God to help us that our hearts will be open, receptive, and there's no perception of anything, but God can just paint and speak and deposit and transmit to this blank canvas, which we will give to him. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, In the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, we are so grateful and thankful that we can come into the house of the Lord one more time. That we're able, Almighty God, to worship you in the beauty of holiness. That we're able, Almighty God, to call upon your name and you grant us this wonderful privilege to commune with you. to, To hear from heaven, Lord God, and to be able to have access to speak, to make requests unto you, Lord God. Lord, you're truly wonderful and kind and you're good to us. You love us. And Lord, we are grateful for this wonderful privilege and blessing that you've bestowed upon us, Lord God. But Lord, we know there's so much more to you. There's so much more depth to you. There's so much more height to you. There's so much more width to you, Lord. And so tonight, Lord God, we're coming in your name, the name of Jesus, to say, God, take us deeper. God, take us higher. God, expand us, Lord God, in all you have in store for us. I pray tonight, Lord God. That You will search our heart, Lord God. We want nothing uh, to hinder or prevent us, Lord God, uh, from receiving all that You have in store for us. We ask that you search our heart, Lord God. And Lord, if there be any wicked way in us, lead us to the way of the everlasting. We ask, Lord, that you will forgive us of our sins. For Lord, we surely have sinned and come short of your glory. We have omitted to do what we're supposed to do. And we've committed offenses, Lord God, in your sight. And so, God, we're asking that you forgive us and continue to show us mercy. And that your blood will be applied to our life once more time, uh, that your Holy Spirit will regenerate us. Uh, Oh God, we pray that tonight uh, there will be a supernatural power of the Holy Ghost moving uh, in our heart, moving uh, in this atmosphere, moving uh, wherever we're gathered together tonight, Lord. Uh, I pray, Father, that we will not have any perception of anything tonight. Uh, We want our mind, Lord God, to just be stayed on you. Uh, We want, oh God, our mind, Lord God, uh, to be clear tonight, and that nothing, Lord, will prevent us from the obvious. Nothing will hinder the Word of God from being transmitted unto us. And so, God, we're asking tonight that You have Your way. Let us hear what the Spirit is saying unto us, Lord God. Will You give us understanding, Lord God, according to Your will and Your purpose. We don't want our flesh to get in our way tonight, Lord God. For the flesh, Lord God, is a hindrance to the the Spirit. But tonight, Lord, we're asking that the Spirit of the Lord overshadow us. That the Spirit of the Lord have the preeminence. That the Spirit of the Lord will speak to us. That the Spirit of the Lord will give us understanding. Tonight, Lord Jesus, we need your help. We want to go deeper. We want to draw closer. We want to know you like we've not known you, Lord God. And so we ask, Lord, that you do a work deep in our soul, within our heart, Lord God. Will You do a work, O oh God, uh, that, Lord, only You can do. Uh, we're asking, Lord God, uh, that You'll reveal the mysteries of the Scriptures, uh, that we may understand it uh, and know it, Lord. Uh, will You bless our families that are here tonight, uh, our families that are, that are watching and listening right now, wherever they are. Uh, will You bless us and bind us in unity uh, of Your Spirit, Lord God, that we will be as one uh, right now, Lord God, uh, wherever we're gathered together, Lord. Uh, oh God, by us together as one in unity of your spirit, that you can speak to us, that you can give you can give us instructions and direction to help us to move us, oh God. Oh Father, in the direction you want us to go. Jesus, have your way. Jesus, hear our cry, Jesus, hear our petition tonight. We pray for Latanya Burgess, Lord God, that Lord you be merciful one more time, and God, you'll grant her the opportunity one more time uh, to hear the message. Uh, to, oh God, receive the revelation uh, of who you are. To be saved. Uh, oh God, to know you, Lord. Uh, will you move on her, Lord God? Touch her body. That she will be whole. That uh, she will be healed. Uh, in the name of Jesus, we touch and agree uh, that you have your way in our life, oh God. Uh, we pray tonight, Lord, uh, for Winston Hilton. Uh, touch him, Lord God. Uh, deliver him, Lord God. Uh, reveal yourself to him, will you? Will you save his soul in the name of Jesus Christ for Charlie Hammond, Lord? We pray tonight for healing and deliverance and salvation and revelation, O oh God, in the name of Jesus. Lord, move upon our congregation. Strengthen us as a people. Oh, God, expand our borders. Increase, oh, God, in our life. Oh, Father, the power of God and the will of God, let it be so. We give you honor and praise. Have your way tonight, Lord God. We love you, Jesus. There is none like you, oh, great God. We lift up your holy name, the name that's above every name. Jesus, have your way. Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we adore you. Jesus, we Worship you. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah anoint me lord as your oracle tonight anoint thy hearing to hear what the spirit is saying lord god will you communicate to us just what you want us to hear and know and understand god will you strengthen us tonight that we will leave this place stronger in you than how we came in in the name of jesus christ somebody say in the name of jesus let's worship the lord together Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. God, you are great and greatly to be praised. God, you are great and greatly to be praised. Worship him, worship him, adore him. He's worthy, he's worthy. Hallelujah, hallelujah 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 he's worthy to be praised from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same the name of the lord is to be praised the name of the lord is a strong tower The righteous run into it and they are saved. Oh, Jesus, comfort us tonight. Strengthen us tonight, will you, Lord? We're totally dependent upon you, great God. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. I feel the presence of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. For the next few Thursdays, at least the next four Thursdays, we're going to be speaking on the topic of holiness. Holiness. Holiness is a challenging word because it seems to be the forgotten part of Christianity. I can mention a lot of words in Christendom, and we will latch on, and we will be quick to say amen. Even prayer, we don't get a lot of people to come out to pray, but when we talk about prayer, everybody, amen, that's right. But for some reason, when we talk about holiness, you get quiet. And so... We're going to dive into the topic of holiness, and we'll spend some good time on it. I'm going to do my best to take my time on it because I want you to really understand it. And if you have questions, certainly submit your questions if you're viewing this online. Um, If you're here tonight, maybe you can write the question and give it to me um, before we leave and we can talk about it. But this subject is very important. It's probably the most misunderstood subject in our Christian walk, and I just think it's very important that we talk about it, and I feel like this is what the Lord wants us to talk about for the next few weeks. So, we're going to get into the scriptures, Exodus chapter 33, we'll go there tonight, We'll also go to Hebrews 12 and 14 and 1 Peter 2 and 9. We've got a lot of scriptures we're going to go through, and that's why I'm endeavoring to take my time with this and walk you through it. Wherever the time, say we, when, whenever we get to the time that we need to end, I'm just going to end there, not worrying about how long I need to go. I'm just going to end at the time and just pick up next week and the following week where we stopped off. It's very important uh, that we take our time and go through it. I, I would love for Christ Center Church to really understand this subject. I would really love for Christ Center Church to get it in their spirit and in their heart uh, because I believe that it's an essential part of our Christian walk and we can't treat it as a stepchild. <laughs> can't treat it as just, oh, by the way. We have to make sure it is an essential part of our walk with Christ. And so, Exodus chapter 33. Verse number 15, let's look at what the scripture says. It says, and he said unto him, if thy presence go not with me, carry us not up hence. I've already given you some fine, fine meat for tonight already. You need to say every day you pray, God, if your presence is not with me if I go there, I'm not going there. That's a powerful prayer. God, if your presence is not going to be with me or guide me, if I go there, then don't let me go there. If I go over here and your presence won't be there, don't let me go over there. Now, I'm not crazy enough to think that God is not everywhere all at once and he doesn't inhabit and everything dwells in him. I understand that. But whatever God doesn't sanction, he will not show up there. He will not manifest himself there. Yeah, he's present there, but he will not manifest himself there if he's not in agreement with that place or that thing. Mm -hmm. Verse 16. For wherein shall it be known here that I and thy people have found grace in thy sight? The writer says, how would we know we have found grace in your sight? Question mark. Is it not in that thou goest with us? So the writer saying, how are we going to know that we have found grace in your sight? Question mark. Then he went on to say, isn't it that when you're with us, we know we have found grace? So when the Lord's presence is manifested wherever you are, you're experiencing grace. Uh huh. So shall we, so shall we be separated, I and thy people from all the people that are up on the face of the earth. So, If we're going to be God's people, we're going to have to be separated from all the other people that are not God's people. God created everyone so everyone actually belongs to God. But only those who are living in obedience to God is considered the people of God. And so the people of God must be separated, distinct, different from those that are not the people of God. Why? Remember I told you that God revealed to me why the children of Israel got into bondage. Why the children of Israel, they wasn't supposed to be in Egypt that long, but they was there that long. But The very reason why they were there was one reason and one reason only. I know it says the famine was in Canaan and so they had to go to Egypt to get food. That's fine. But believe me, God knows it all. The reason why they were in Egypt and they went through all of that is so the idol-worshiping Egyptians would come to know the one true and living God. We got to realize that what God is doing is always going to be about how can He save his precious creation and if we're always thinking like that, then then we will perceive the Word of God differently, and so the children of Israel went through a whole lot in the land of Egypt, but at the end of the day, when judgment comes, we know Pharaoh and all. His soldiers that was going after the Egypt, the Israelites, we know they drowned and they died. The day will come when judgment comes, and they're going to have to stand before the Lord and give an account to why they never surrendered and worshiped the true and living God. This is why God is just, because He made certain, and he's making certain still today, that every person will have an opportunity or opportunities to know Him. Now, whatever you do with that opportunity is up to you, but that's the way he's going to be able to judge every one of us justly because he has made a way and he will continue to make a way for all of us to have the opportunity to know him, even the heathens. And so we must understand that as the people of God, we have to be separate, different From everyone else. Because they need to be able to recognize us. If God went through all that trouble. For the children of Israel. To be enslaved. In Egypt. Just so the Egyptians who are idol worshippers. Could know him. Why do you think we need to look like everybody else? If you go back and look at that story. The Israelites and the Egyptians look different. Because it's God's intention that he wants for the world to see his people and realize they're God's people. It's his intention. Because he wants to save everyone. This is a subject that, you know. We are not being godly as we should when we don't care how we look. Why you say that preacher? If God's intention is to get people that are not saved to see His people who are saved so people can be encouraged to be saved and we say, well, it doesn't matter how I look, you don't have the heart of God. God is going through all He's going through to make a people separated, to make a people peculiar and different so others can say, oh, Okay, that's what it looks like. That's what I'm supposed to be. And that's what he's trying to do. And how dare us get saved and says it doesn't matter what we look like. You're defeating one of God's purpose for saving and working in your life because God wants to reach this world. And when you get saved, you're supposed to be part of the process of helping the Lord to reach the world. We are working together with the Lord to reach our lost world. And part of that process of working together with the Lord to reach our lost world is that the lost world need to look at us and say, oh, he don't look like us. Yes, he doesn't act like us. It all works together. So it's not just a look. We'll get into that. It will be how you live your life. But people ought to look and tell, okay, they're the people of God. They're the people of God. So let's get into this a little bit more. Uh Uh-huh. We finished at 16. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 14. Very familiar passage of scripture. Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. I hear what you're saying. We'll get to that. But ye are a chosen generation, this is first Peter two and nine, but ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who had called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. We're being pulled out to be brought in. You follow that, Joe? He he pulled us out of darkness, but he didn't put us in the shadows. When he pulled us out of the darkness, he could have put us in the shadows, Josiah, but he says, no, 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 no. I'm pulling you out of darkness not to just let you be in the shadows, but to put you in the marvelous light. So he's taking you out of there to put you over here. But what most of us, not most of us, but what a lot of Christians don't realize that they're doing is, all we're saying is just get me out of the dark. Just get me out of the dark. I don't need to go in the light. Just get me out of the dark. And that's where a lot of people don't realize that they're in the shadows. Because they don't want to go in the light. They only want to come out of the dark. And in between the light and the dark is the shadows. We also call the shadows, if you want to go any further with that, we're, we want to be lukewarm. In between. Straddlers. It's not good when you're dealing with God when you just want to be in the shadows. Because it represents lukewarmness. It represents straddling. But for so many of us that wants to live for God, we just want to be out of the dark. We're not interested in the light. We just want to be out of the dark. And so we want God to pull us out of the dark. But don't put me in the light, Jesus. Just let me get out of the dark. Mm -hmm. One of the current trends making the rounds in church growth theory is that we must constantly change the church so it can relate to our changing society. Churches are changing so they can reach our changing society. Now, let me explain a little bit more there so you understand what I mean by church is trying to change. Never mind that our society is obsessed with self and a disregard of others, the absence of love. Polluted by immorality, repulsed by commitment and smug in its new tolerance. One that tolerates everything except biblical absolute. Our world today, just because of how things are, young people, you're probably being taught in school. And in so many places that there are no absolutes. That's true in the world. But almighty God, he is absolute. So that's where it clashes. Because in college, in just all of our industries, in how we live from day to day, in how we do our jobs, Just the things that we go about each day, there's always a way to maneuver. Which make it that there is or there are no absolutes. So when we are being told about the things of God that are absolute, it's quick for us to reject that. Because we need to now start explaining it. We need to start maneuvering. Because that's what we do in life. Everything that is talked about today is maneuverable. We start figuring out a different way or a different perspective, a different view. Well, what about this? And it's all acceptable. And that's great for the world. Don't get me wrong. That's great for your job. That's great when you want to get a good grade in school. But when you're talking about the kingdom of God, God is absolute. Absolute. And if your heart and mind is fixed on nothing is absolute, when you encounter God, you're going to have a big problem receiving what God has for you because God is coming at us with everything about Him absolute. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. I am all for changes, methods that allow us to preach the gospel more effectively. As a matter of fact, this church is locked in right now in methods to preach the gospel effectively. So I'm all for that. Somebody say amen. But the Bible expressly forbids us to change the message. We can't add, and we can't take away. We surely can come up with methods to preach this gospel in all the world. There's a scripture that says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And that's what we endeavor to do. So whatever methods we have to use to preach this gospel to every creature all throughout the world, then that's what we'll do. But the message that we're preaching is the gospel, and it cannot change. This study, holiness, will deal with a foundational issue of apostolic faith. That is, does the Holy Ghost affect the outward appearance of a vessel he chooses to dwell in or not? Think about that. If you have the Holy Spirit dwelling in you, He's supposed to be affecting the inside. The question now is, should he be affecting the outside as well? Just asking a question. Do the standards of conduct and appearance given in Scripture apply to us today, or should they be discarded in favor of a lifestyle that is less, Conspicuous, noticeable, and less offensive to our modern society. We all have different personalities. Let me tell you this part about my personality. I refuse to let you be strong in what you believe in to the point where you bringing me over. And changing me from what I believe in. Now, that's one of my things. I'm going down to the end. Me and you, I just think it's just so crazy that someone feels strong about what they believe in. And you're supposed to be strong in what you believe in. And you let them convince you to be on their side. All of us got to have something that we stand strong. And says, this is I draw the line in the sand. This is what I be. This is what I believe, and this is where I stand. We gotta hold on to the the, the, the absolute truth of God, and not let anyone convince us otherwise. We have to hold on to that truth, and say no one will convince me otherwise. Mm -hmm. We can't allow ourselves to be concerned about the things other people think that are not like you. Many of you as parents, what's one of the things that just irks you with your children? But mom... Teddy and those other guys, they doing it. What do you want to do when your children say that? You want to rip their head off. That's Teddy and those other people, that's that's how they live their life. Don't tell me how we should live our life. We live our life this way and they live their life that way. Isn't that what we say as parents? So why are we concerned about the outside? How they present themselves. Why are we concerned about how... That's a big thing. That's a big thing in the church that we are concerned about what other people think about how we present ourselves. But they're not concerned about us. That's the other thing that cracks me up. They present how they feel they got to present. And they're not worried when they're ready to present, they're presenting. It. They're not worried about anything you're saying, but you're worried about what they think about you. My goodness, that drives me crazy. That that really drives me crazy. When I know I'm doing right, there's no way somebody's going to convince me to do it otherwise. We can't worry about what other people think when it comes down to the things of God. As long as we're being respectful and loving to others, let's not worry about what they think about us because we're supposed to be a peculiar people. We're supposed to be holy and we're going to be different from them. Somebody say amen. This study will concentrate on the areas that have been most maligned by those who find the holiness lifestyle too burdensome or embarrassing? Mm. Do you find the holiness lifestyle too burdensome or embarrassing? We will discuss the relationship, Ethan, between inner and outer holiness and the specifics of apparel and adornment that are mentioned in scriptures Nicholas a proselyte of Antioch was one of the first seven church deacons chosen to look after the business matters of the early church you can find that in Acts chapter 6 verse 3 and 5 however His dedication, talking about Nicholas here, his dedication to the apostolic message was short-lived. According to early writings of heresy, Nicholas eventually backslid and introduced the doctrine of the Nicolaitans or Nicolaitans, whichever way you say it, Nicolaitans. Nicholas backslid and introduced the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. Listen to me, church. Unholy lifestyle or compromise in holiness lifestyle will always come from someone who is either backsliding or immature in Christ. Any little thing you pick up about holiness where you where you kind of look at like someone is trying to do something a little bit different from what we've always done considering holiness. When you start to see that, that came or is coming from someone that is in a backslidden state or a new Christian, an immature Christian. Those are the people that will introduce to you. A different kind of lifestyle from holiness. Investigate that if you want. Compromising of holiness did not start with a holy person. Because a holy person wouldn't do that. Nicholas. He backslid. And when he did, he started teaching some other stuff backslidden people are the ones that start telling you yeah I'm not doing that anymore because blah 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 but here's the truth you're justifying where you are so because you're not doing what we've always done together anymore you're going to justify what you're doing now and that's how heresy compromise of holiness and all of those things start sliding in the church because those that have backslid is starting to tell you that yeah because i'm still living for god and it wasn't necessary for that and for that and for that and you never stop to say when they were in truth they thought it mattered they thought it mattered when they were strong in christ now i don't even know where they're going and what kind of teaching they're getting and now they're telling me well that wasn't really that necessary and i'm supposed to believe that that's who you're listening to that that's who has introduced some things to you and now you're kind of saying yeah yeah they're right i don't see anything wrong with that or maybe it's somebody that's young in christ and we see okay they're young but they're doing something different from us, and we think, well, that's okay. Cause, But, sis, bro, they're young in Christ. They have to grow in Christ. You've been grown in Christ, so why would you go backwards doing what they're doing when they're young? But we look at that to decide and determine why we should do that. But you're wrong because they're six months in, they're a year in, they're still learning a whole lot. You five years in, you seven years in, you ten years in, how in the world are you going to let someone that's just been in six months, a year, two years influence how you should be holy? The doctrine of the Nicolaitans came about as a knee-jerk reaction to the legalism of the Judaizer. It abused Paul's doctrine of grace of God and introduced a false freedom into the church. Nicholas and his followers erred in combating one extreme teaching with another extreme teaching. In the book of Revelation, John compared the Nicolaitans to Balaam. Listen to me carefully. In the Old Testament, who cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel. Listen to me. Balaam was unsuccessful in cursing Israel from without. But he taught them to mix godliness and worldliness, and they cursed themselves from within. So Balaam was trying to get the children of Israel to just really just mess themselves up by introducing outside things to them do this but they were smart enough to realize we are different we are the people of god so we're not going to be taking your outside stuff so when he couldn't get them to do that he got them to start compromising start mixing stuff so mix your holiness with some unholiness and when you mix some holiness with some unholiness you will be cursed You mix some holiness with some unholiness, you will not be blessed. This same spirit was behind Nicholas' doctrine, which was based on Greek dualism or dualism. He declared that Christians, since they were sinners saved by grace could live like the world on the outside and still remain saved on the inside. Now that sounds, when you say it out loud, that sounds like, oh, that's ridiculous. When you say it out loud. But there's a lot of people living their life like that. Oh, I'm holy on the outside. Never mind my inside, my, my, my outside, but I'm, I'm, I'm holy inside. doesn't matter what you think, but I've got God. I don't know how that works. Because I remember when I started getting my relationship with Christ, and I started walking with Christ, Mama, I remember I was no crier. But guess what? Because God was working on the inside, tears was coming down on the outside. Oh, God help me. So you keep telling me that my inside is holy, but it doesn't matter outside. Because the bottom line is your inside has to affect the outside. That wasn't even something I tried. The Holy Ghost was so powerfully working within my life that I'm crying. I'm like, why am I crying? I'm listening to the word of God and I'm crying. I'm praying and I'm crying. The Holy Ghost is inside, but tears are all on the outside. My face all flooded with water on the outside. It's foolish to ever think that you're holy on the inside, but on the outside is no big deal. Makes no sense. Makes no sense. Because whatever is going on in the inside comes out on the outside. You ready for another one? Because here's a simple, straightforward one. What you say out of your mouth was already in your heart. It didn't come out your mouth. And it wasn't in your heart. It was in your heart. Then it just came out. So what's on the inside will always affect what's on the outside. There's no getting around that. His teaching would later be the basis of the doctrine of eternal security, which means one save, always save. You ever heard that? One save, always save. Judas. Do I need to say any more? If you think one save, always save, talk to Judas. Because Judas was no different from any one of the disciples walking with Jesus, prayer meetings, healing and miracle meetings, fishes, bread, he was in all of that. But then he gave up Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. And then he had a chance to repent. And we didn't read about him repenting. So there's no truth behind once save, always save. Since his teaching required, we're talking about Nicholas, since his teaching required no outward or inward change to be saved, he and his followers attracted large numbers of converts, both from the pagan religions and from a lukewarm church. His message to the apostolic believers was why live in legalism and bondage of holiness and sanctification when you can be free in Jesus. Nicholas violated apostolic teaching on sanctification, which was part of their teaching on salvation. You know, Eternity is too important for me to play games with. I can play games with a lot of things. I can manipulate myself to believe or think a lot of things. Not eternal life. You you don't want to do that for eternal life. And you know what we bank it on without saying it? God is good. He won't allow. And so we manipulate ourselves and we do what we want. And go to congregations that that will, will will allow us to do what we like and still consider us saved. We go to that and deceive ourselves to say God is good, He'll bring us in still. If you read your Bible, you'll see God is good. And you'll see God always gives you another chance and He's merciful. But it still comes back to, this is one thing I learned with the Lord. It still comes back to, you still have to make a choice to obey him. And so he can be merciful, which he is. He will work with you. You can do the worst of the worst, whatever it is. But you still have to make the choice to do right by him, to obey him. And if he is holy and he requires for us to be holy, he is saying, you got to be holy. So as much as I'll forgive you, as much as I'll be merciful, as much as I'll show you all that I need to show you the love, but you still have to make the choice. We want God to make the choice for us. If God had to make the choice for us, we'd all be saved. Think about that. That's what a lot of people are doing and don't realize. No, no. God made the choice to save us when he came and gave his life. Now you have to make the choice to decide whether or not you're going to give your life. But somehow we want people to we want to believe that God is going to make the choice for us at the end. When the when your time comes, whether you leave here by death or whether the rapture comes, you already made the choice. God not making the choice for you. You already made the choice. But I believe a lot of people are living for God doing what they want and banking on god being merciful and making the choice for them to be saved it doesn't work like that Hmm. why live in legalism and bondage of holiness and sanctification when you can be free that's what some churches are teaching that's what nicholas started teaching nicholas violated the principles that Jesus taught and the apostles taught. In apostolic belief, a holiness lifestyle included standards of dress, types of activities they participated in, and other codes of conduct. Nicholas taught that these externals of holiness were not important. God, however, had a different opinion. Check this out. Twice in Revelation, that's Revelation 2 and 6 and Revelation 2 and 15. Twice in Revelation, he said that he hated the teaching of the Nicolaitans. And he still hates those teaching today. Because it's teaching us to be lukewarm. It's teaching us to not be holy. In Acts chapter 2, 38... We know the scriptures all the way to 40 said, then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words, did he testify and exhort saying Listen to this part? Because I read all of that just for this. Save yourselves from this untoward generation. You know what untoward mean? Matthew and untoward means crooked or perverse. So when the Bible says save yourself from this untoward generation, it means you have to do something. You have to do something. Right? Save yourself from this crooked and perverse generation. So the Bible is telling us that our generation is crooked and perverse. And we must do something to save ourselves from it. So if the, if the world is crooked and perverse and I don't look differently from it, then what? Oh, I know what you're saying. But God knows my heart. Alright, okay. <laughs> so it brings me to this point. Since you say God knows your heart. Most issues of holiness are not salvation issues. They are Christian maturity issues. Most issues of holiness are not salvation issues. They are Christian maturity issues. Now, don't run with that all the way yet. Listen to this. Only as we do not obey God in these areas, does our willful disobedience become a salvation issue. So let me help you understand what I just said. Most of the times, the holiness working from within to come on the outside When you've been in church for a while, when it's not happening, it means that your maturity level in Christ have some ways to go. It means there's some things you still don't understand about Christ. This is why it's important that we don't tell people what to do. Because you can tell them what to do, but if they don't understand it, it won't help them. They need to understand it. This is why I'm teaching it. So a lot of our issues why we are not living holy, looking holy, is because our maturity level is not at that place to understand and to be holy. Here's the problem, though. If you continue to be a part of the church and you continue to hear teaching like you're hearing tonight and other preaching and teaching and you're reading the Bible then there's going to be some things that you start to learn about holiness. When you learn those things, you should obey those things. When you don't obey those things, that's when it becomes a sin. You follow what I'm saying? So there are some people, this is why you can't look at what somebody else is doing and say, well, I can do that too, because they just might be immature. But they've been in churches as long as I've been. You don't know how they're processing. You don't know what they're getting. So they might just be immature. And you're mature. So you can't justify to God that you're going to do what they're doing because look how long they've been around and look how they look. So there's nothing wrong with me looking like that. No, you're more, more mature than they are. Now, as they begin to get mature and they learn what God requires as far as holiness is concerned, and they decide to reject it and disobey it, It becomes a sin because when we disobey God's word, it's a sin. Got it. All right, it's 830. Let me finish up here. The apostles obviously placed great importance on many areas of Christian maturity, such as fruit of the spirit, the gifts of the spirit, holiness, conduct and appearance, submission, proper use of Christian liberty, good works, doctrinal spiritual maturity. While one can certainly obtain salvation without understanding or immediately experiencing all of these areas, the apostles cast certain doubt on one being able to maintain their salvation without a desire for a progressing experience. So let me say that plainly to you. We like to quote some things and say some things. I don't know if we understand what we say. However, God. Let me say it this way. However, you encountered God. God don't intend to leave you that way. However, you encounter him. This is why we say come as you are. Come as you are, because God has no intention of leaving you the way you are. Come as you are, but God has no intention of leaving you just that way. He's saying, come as you are, because I've got great plans for your life. Come as you are, because I'm going to fix you up real good. Come as you are, because I'm going to make you holy. Come as you are, because I'm going to teach you my ways. It's an embarrassment to ourselves. When we came as we were, and we've been coming as we've been since, since we came, and there's no progress. We're supposed to grow. Just like the natural way of a baby being born, they grow physically. We must grow spiritually. So when we come as we are, we're not supposed to stay as we are. God will raise us up. God is going to help us to grow and become mature in him. So we should be able to look at our life and see constant improvement in our life because God is doing a work in us. So we come as we are, but God will not leave us the way we are. And so if you came in, listen, some of you might can relate to this. Some of you that's been around a little bit, go back and go find your first year of pictures in church. Just, just go back your first year you started going to church. Go look at some pictures. And if you still look the same way today, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. Uh huh. And so. That's what some people are saying God should understand. That they can look the same way after 5, after 10, after 15, after 20, after 30 years of walking with God, I should still look the same way as I did when I first came in. Physically, you don't. So why spiritually you should? Just ask the question. So we got to realize That we have to see transformation in how we look in every way, from the inside out. We can't look the same way. It just doesn't work that way. And so we can't profess to be Christians that are submitted to God, but we're not growing in holiness. It is extremely dangerous to know and do not do. Mm-hmm. Only an immature or backslidden believer usually asks this question. Do I have to when it's written in the Bible? Listen to me again. Only an immature Or a backslidden believer usually asks this question, do I have to, when it's written in the word of God? This is why sometimes you just have to wait on people. It just, it don't mean that they're just sinners. Don't mean they're rebellious. It means they're immature. And we just need to pray for spiritual maturity. And we need to love them while we're doing it. But for you that know because you've read it. For you that have heard it clearly through the teaching. For you that have associated yourself with holiness. When you know it and you don't do it, it's a sin. Let's stand. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Holiness. Don't let anybody jump and shout, but you can jump and shout about it. Anybody have any questions? I'm going to help this church about holiness. I really am. I'm going to I'm going to make it clear and plain as I can, so you you will enjoy being holy and look forward. As a holy person and realize what holiness is all about because we have made it all kind of things that it's not. And I hope that at the very least tonight you realize that holiness is a maturity issue. And then it becomes a disobedient issue. So it's really about maturity, your relationship with Christ. That's first. And then after a while it becomes a disobedient issue and here is why it's important that we be careful about telling people stuff because when somebody is doing something that they know is wrong they don't need you to come tell them they just need you to pray for them and when you have favor with them is when you tell them it's hard to tell somebody something when you're trying to correct them when you don't have a good relationship with them so you don't start trying to help people until you love them. Uh huh. Very important. Any questions? All good? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thou art God. We're gonna be holy, for you've called us to be holy. And Lord God, we want to have clear understanding of what holiness is all about for lord you said without holiness no man shall see the lord and so tonight lord god and for the next few weeks on thursdays we want to learn as much as we can we want to understand as much as we can and we want to live as much as we can in holiness i pray lord god that people will not be offended but people will be convicted and lord as they're convicted they will respond in repentance And they will respond in obedience in being holy. Lord, you have established this church. And I pray, Almighty God, that you will do a work within us. That we will be strong. That we will know our God. And that we will do exploits. Lord, we know there's power in holiness. And, Lord God, we want to be so holy that when people come among us, Lord God, the power of God will be so strongly present among us. That changes will begin to take place in heart and mind because of the holiness atmosphere that is just cultivated. I pray, Almighty oh God, that you'll move on us individually and collectively as a church, as individuals, Lord God. To truly, oh God, lift up the banner of holiness to live in holiness and righteousness, Lord God. Father, I pray that we will be a people that will love holiness, a people that will embrace holiness, a people that will wear holiness, Lord God. Oh, Father, with confidence and in love, I pray tonight that every person under the sound of my voice will receive the word of the Lord into their heart and that they will become doers of the word of God. Lord, we pray and ask that you will bless us that you'll keep us, that your face shine upon us and be gracious unto us. I pray the the blessings of God upon our family as we celebrate America's independence, Lord God, over this weekend. Give us peace. Lord, protect and keep us. Let your hand be upon us. And I pray, Lord God, that you'll cover us by your blood, that you'll take care of us like only you can, and that we will be safe, Lord God. We love you, Jesus. We honor you, Lord. We want your presence to emanate from us, Lord God. We want to be your vessels and instruments that you will work through. For well, Lord, we pray and ask you these things. In Jesus' holy name. Somebody say, in Jesus' name. Don't forget, Saturday morning, 8 a.m., we're going to do our prayer breakfast by Zoom. So make sure you get the link. The link will be sent out to you for you to join the Zoom From 8 a.m. to 9 a.m., we will be on the line for our prayer breakfast. Saturday evening at 6.30, pray with your family. (laughs) We won't stream that prayer. We won't be here for that prayer. It's the 4th of July. You know I struggle with that big time. Oh, my goodness. But just be with your family. Um, Just be godly. Let holiness emanate from you. And, and, and pray together and, and, and let God have his way in your home and in, in your family. And then Sunday morning, 9 a.m. and 10.30 a.m., God bless you. We love you. If you have any questions, reach out, and we'll be glad to answer them. Have a great night.